Awesome. Great. Today is a new series Sunday. Come on. We're excited about that. Let's clap it up. New series Sunday. Hi, my name is Stuart. Did you get your sticker on the way in? Your, your name tag? Everyone's name is Stuart. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Give it up for Stuart again, everybody. <laughs> Front row. And uh, he's ready to receive the word of God today. And so I'm, I'm excited about our brand new series. Um, I'm not going to tell you how long it's going to go, but this series is going to be a blessing uh, to your life, an extremely practical series. How many of y'all know that we've been deep in the Bible all summer? It was in the book of James. James was cutting us up. And then we had some end time series before James and God brought us back to James last Sunday. And so um. This is going to add some value to your life, and, and uh, I pray that you came with an open heart and open mind and that the, the Lord can speak to you um, on any level that we talk about. And so today, I think we can all relate to this topic, and I think we all be interested in hearing it. And so um, let's, let's jump right in. Y'all ready for the word? Let's jump right in, and, uh, and uh, let, let's do it. So um, nothing brings more stress than financial woes, financial woes. Uh, give you a few statistics here. Um, 73% of Americans say that finances are their number one source of stress. 73%. That's three out of every four. Uh, 50% of, American, of the American workforce um, have less than $1,000 saved for an emergency. So one out of every two employees in America, less than $1,000 saved. Uh, 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And um, that's stressful. That's stressful. Um, you know, if, if, if your hot water heater goes out or your HVAC or, you know, your furnace or whatever, if it goes out, that's, man, you're forking the bill. That's thousands of dollars. And so stats show that half of Americans don't have enough to, to get over that hump. And um, I, I know my family, we've, we've had a journey. I've been with, been with my wife for 10 years, friends for 10 or 11 years. We've been married going on eight. But our, our financial journey has been, <laughs> you know, when we were single, it was here. You know, when we were just friends, it was here. Then we, when we got married, it doesn't make any sense because you make more money, right? It just, it just went. <laughs> Went down and, it, it, you know, it's been a roller coaster, but we've seen it over time go, you know, kind of. But it, it, it goes higher. It, it's, 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 been, it's been an encouragement. I, I want to encourage you that God, God wants you to be blessed, not stressed. And um, what I love about this series is that he's given us all an opportunity to play our part. Um, steward. Someone say steward. Steward. So today's message is entitled Financial Advice. Go ahead and write that down. We're a note-taking church. If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not, write it down. Financial advice. And um, who, who better to get our financial advice from than from the Lord? You know, a couple things we don't dance around at highlight if you stick around long enough is sex. <laughs> and then money. I got to say it again. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> if your kids are in here, it's the reason why we have HL kids. So 
and money. Um, just stick around to February. We'll get into the, the, the former. All right, so I want to dive into Matthew 25. These are the words of Jesus. Christ is going to give us a story, and it's really an end-time story. So like I said, if, if you go back to the White Robe series, we were in this area of Matthew chapter 24, 25, and uh, it was really uh, parables and stories on how to steward your life until he comes back. But how, how many of us know that the word of God is the manifold wisdom of God? So yeah, end times, but we also want to pull back some principles for our lives today when it, when it concerns stewardship. And so go ahead and join me. Jesus is going to tell a story in Matthew 25, and we're going to dive right in. Okay, here it is, verse 14. Jesus said this, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. A man. Someone say man. Someone say God. Okay. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them. Whose money? God's money. His money. Right? All right. While he was gone, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing in proportion. Here it is. It's so important. To their abilities, he then left on his trip. All right. And then it says this here. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work. Oh, Lord. Hashtag last Sunday went to work. How about last Sunday? Was that a blessing? Quit or grow? Put your hands together if that blessed your life. Quit or grow. Man, I'll tell you, for me, every every uh, point in the week where I felt like quitting, I was like, man, I got to grow. I, I got to figure out a way to grow through this. You know what I mean? I don't want to limit what God wants to do in my life. I got to figure out a way to grow. You know, I don't want to live a life of regret five years down the road because I quit in this area. I got to grow. I got to grow. I got to grow. So so he, he said this, went to work and earn five more. So there's an equation there. You work, there is profit in work. Um, the Bible says that a person who doesn't work should not eat. Or, or a lazy person will eventually come to poverty. It's, it's, it's a kingdom principle. And uh, then he says this here, verse 18, But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Hid the master's money. Uh, what I want to do today with financial advice is I, I want to get I want to give us a, a mindset. I want us to to, to have a, a frame of of um, just in how we think about about money and, and our resources, not just money, but our homes and, and the things that belong to us, our children, our our marriage. So while we're going to be talking about finances, this this pervades every area of your life and everything that God has given you to manage. Notice I didn't say own because we don't own anything. We don't even own the breath we breathe, but um, um, God has given us something to manage. And, and this is going to set you free from a lot of pressure. If you feel like you're in a struggle in this season financially, I want you, I want you to feel freedom by the end of this message. And, and one of the first ways that, that I seek to get that freedom or, or that financial freedom is understanding, number one, that God is my source. God is my source. I am not my source. My intelligence is not my source. My knowledge, my Ph.D., Lord, COVID, um, you know, no matter how high up in the education ladder you got, COVID knocked you on out or you were a candidate to get knocked out. You know what I mean? Uh, my Ph.D., um, it's not who I know. It's not the business. It's not the company. It's not the organization. 
You have Fortune 500s closing, laying people off. Uh, CEOs were committing suicide. CEOs were quitting. Your money did not guard you in a season like this. And, and so it's a trap to think that money is that powerful. So what we have to do is we must be reminded of who is, not what is, but who is the source of our freedom. And God is your source. God is my source. The word source means beginning or genesis. The start of your, of your resource comes from the source. And, and the source, you can also write this down if you're taking notes, is the person from which something comes. The source is the person from which something comes. I love Romans eleven thirty six says this. It says, for everything comes from God. Someone say everything. everything. Everything comes from God alone. It's not God in Mother Nature. It's not God in my opinion. It's not God in my abilities. It's not God in my dreams. It's not God in my desires. It's not God in my timeline. Everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by his power. A lot of people say, well, I work for it. I study for it. I ain't, I'm entitled to it. And I always say, well, who gave you the breath? Who gave you the strength? Who gave you the brain? Who gave you the school? Who gave you the scholarship? Who gave you the clothes? Who gave you the car? Who, who gave you the ability to gain wealth? It's it all, everything lives by his power. As soon as God stops breathing, we ought to. It all comes from him. And that ought to comfort you. Because if I'm in a season of lack, and if he just so chooses to bless me, I understand that he owns the, cat, the cattle on a thousand hills, and there's nothing that can stop him from blessing me when he chooses to. Right? Right? So the scripture says that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And he does that to remind us of who is. It's not the government. It, it, it's not the economy. It's not our military. It, 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 it's not we're world superpower. It comes from the Lord. Well, I was laid off. The Lord took away. But he's still your source. And he's still going to provide for you. All right? Everything for his glory. To him be the glory evermore. And if God is my source, this is so important to understand. If God is my source, if it all belongs to God, number two, this means that I am a steward. I'm a steward. Stop putting that weight on yourself. My money, my situation, my, my, my home, I'm losing my house. Stop. You, 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 you're a steward. That's why you got the tag on today. You're a steward. I just want to remind you of that. You're a steward. And, and a steward, here it is, go ahead and write this down, is a person who manages another's property. Or financial affairs. See, God has dramatic interest in the world with what we're doing with what he's given us. And, and our call is to manage the earth. Our call is to manage that paycheck. Our call is to, to manage his finances, right? So we, we get a part to play, but we can also enjoy what he's called us to, to manage. Or you can put, put this down. One morally responsible Morally, morally, so there's an ethic to it. There's a right way to steward every part of our life that will bring blessing. One, morally responsible for the careful use of money, time, and talents. 
I have a moral responsibility to steward what comes into this church. And if I don't steward it well by year's end, we're not, we're not up and over going into the next year. As the pastor, I have to steward every dollar. Every dollar has, has a place it must go in order for people to, be, to, to hear, hear the gospel, in order for families to be supported, in order for the hurt to be healed, and in order for a city to be reached, in order for staff to be paid. And I have a moral responsibility to make sure every year I steward in such a way that we're up and over, Right? And, and so, so do you. you you're morally responsible. You, you can't, I'm, I'm going on. Okay, number two, stewardship. If you're a steward, let's write this down. Stewardship. That you operate in stewardship, and this means to grow or improve what you've been given. To grow or, or improve what you've been given. So this is the way I see it. It's God's car. And he gave it to me to improve, to, to, to keep it clean and to vacuum it and to dust it and to keep gas in it and, and to y'all laughing. I'm hitting something right now. Chris over there, I'm behind his drink. You feel me, right? Yeah, you, you got to get it in for that oil change. Y'all will run a car to death, boy. Uh, what's wrong with my car? Car's like I need some new juice. You know what I mean? Need some new grease. That's round 20,000 miles over an oil change. Boy, bad stewardship. Bad stewardship. Um, this is God's house. This is God's apartment. This is God's condo. But he's given it to me to improve. Right? One, one thing we found out is uh, with our house fires that there's been some foul play that our inspector didn't catch. And so you, you can tell just in little areas, which really it was a small area that caused this big fire. In a little area, the, the previous owner had jerry-rigged it and did some D, D, what do you call it, do it your own? D-Y, D, you know what I'm trying to say, DIY. And um, this is, when we went with the inspector, she couldn't find the light switch or why, why a certain light wasn't coming on according to the switch. We had our electrician look at it his charge was a lot higher, right? And, and, and so the previous owner said, no, we got it covered. We'll cover it. Let's close on the deal. Our, 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 our electrician um, was going to uh, do $3,000 for it. The previous owner came back at three hundred, dollars and said it's all fixed and everything's in good standing. And that's exactly where the fire happened, right? So, but when we purchased the home, the Lord said, I'm giving you this house to, to improve it and to make it better. There's a moral obligation to not just live in it, to, to not just allow it to stack up dust or, or, or to get stuff on the wall. If you see stuff on the wall, paint it. Paint over it. Keep some paint around you to, to, to clean it. You know what I mean? And, and when, it's, when we're ready to sell it to the next buyers, it's in, a, it's in a far better state because it's not our home. It's his home, and we want bigger and we want more, so we need to steward it. All right, so, so, so stewardship. Say, I am a steward. I am a steward. Now, here, I want to give you four ways to grow what you've been given. Four ways to grow what you've been given. Number one, advice. Advice. This organization, Certified Financial Planner Board, 
hell's out of D.C. And there's a statistic that says um, three out of four Americans don't seek the help of a financial advisor. And those who do, when they do, their stress levels drop dramatically. It, it drops. You need advice. You, you need advice. The Bible says here, Proverbs 15, 22, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Plans go wrong. You can have a plan, but, but you can't be the, the end-all, be-all of the entire process of your plan. You, you can't just bring in your income week after week, month after month, and, and, and wonder why you're still running into the same wall. Well, what, what you got to do is you got to expose your stuff to someone who's more knowledgeable, to someone who's more experienced. And, and you got you to gotta let them dig and say, well, move this here. Just chop that away. Do you need cable? Do you need this service? Do, do you need that? Do you, do, let, let's chop this away. Put this over here and begin to put this over here. You need, you need advice because God's word says you need advice. Number two, you need vision. That's the second way to grow what you've been given. 44% of Americans don't have $400 saved up for an emergency. 33% have zero saved for retirement. Millennials will need $1.8 to $2.5 million by the time they're ready to retire in order to maintain a, a quality of life. Most don't have a plan. Most of us are, are financially short-sighted, and it's all because we don't have a vision, right? We, 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 don't, we don't sit down and write like, okay, I'm, I'm 33 right now. By 50, this is where I, I want to be. I'm 33 right now. By 60, this is where I want to be. We don't have a vision. All we see is the next check so that we can go to the mall, so that we can pay down the credit card because we want to go on this vacation that we really don't need to go on. We, we, don't, we don't have a vision beyond two weeks. And what that's going to do, that short-sightedness, is it's going to catch up to us. And we're going to look up and, and we're going to want the government to support us and we're going to be asking our kids to support us. And we're, Most don't have vision. And, and so when you don't have vision... Let me encourage you. Don't wait on the Lord to, to give you. Hold on. Don't clap because I know y'all like this one. Don't wait on the Lord to give you vision. Just, just, just write it down. What do you want? <laughs> I, I'll tell you the, the, the essence of stewardship. God created the garden and he put Adam in it to, to be free. But he told him to grow it and cultivate it. He, di he didn't give Adam every single step. Adam had to get creative and look around and say, well, I'm going to have me some fun, and, and let me go over here and work on this garden, and let me work on this tree, and oh, wow, we got, we got to make sure the animals are eating, and, and, and he, he sat down, and Adam was strategic about what God had given him. Don't, don't wait on God to give you, give you a vision. Now, I'll give you a few of my um, examples. I won't give you too much now, because I don't want the devil to be knowing my stuff, even though he can read and it's written down, but anyway. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, in, in, in two years, I want to be completely debt-free. 
I'm still working on some school loans and um, aside from the mortgage and all that stuff. This is a lofty one, but I believe God can do it in the next five years. I want to be in a place financially where I can take care of my parents and my in-laws. Where they don't have any expenses. From, from mortgage to so that they can do some things they need to and want to do. That's a vision. That, 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 that is a vision. Um, um, from, a, from a corporate and church standpoint, we're going to be purchasing a lot of land in the state of Maryland. That, that's, come on, let's put our hands together for that. That's a vision. That's a vision. That you need a vision if you're going to grow what God has given you. Why is this? I'll give you a few reasons why vision is important. Number one is because vision is exciting. Vision is exciting. It gives you a reason to wake up. You know, it gives you a reason. Vision, here it is. Vision gives you something to reach for. It gives you, you know, there's four movement. You're going after something. You, you, you look at your notebook, you look at your notes, and you say, we're heading in the right direction. I'm, I'm reaching for that. I'm reaching for that. I got up the other day and just discouraged a little bit. And uh, this is why it's so important to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. God knew I was discouraged, and he knew why. And um, I, I just told him, or I was honest with him. I think you've got to be honest with God so, so he can really encourage you. And he knows what you're thinking. you just got to be real with him. And I said, Lord, I just don't think my voice is relevant anymore. And um, I, I'm starting the process of, I'm seriously considering in that moment, starting the process of handing the church over to someone else. I'm not trying to, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to project anything on you guys or scare you. Or just, I'm just being real. This is what I said to God. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this thing is working. I don't know if it's really changing lives. I don't think I'm the guy for the job anymore. I took this thing four and a half years or so. I'm going to move on. You know, my wife can go back to nursing. I was in love with medical anyway. I might get into something else. But you know what I mean? I just don't think my voice is relevant anymore. And the Lord said, people need to hear from you. He said, I'm not done using you. And it reignited the vision that, that he gave me for the church. I mean, we're talking about 20,000 people. We're talking about 20 campuses. We're talking about millions of dollars to outreach. Come on. And, and so that vision gives you something to, to reach for. And I got up the next morning. I said, man, we're reaching for something. We're going somewhere. And that's what you need in your finances. The, the next thought on vision is that vision keeps you going in the right direction. Vision keeps you going in the right direction. Third way to grow what you've been given is number three, strategy. Mm. Someone say strategy. You need strategy. You need strategy. Even Jesus talked a little bit about money. He said this here, Luke 14. But don't begin until you count the cost. It's not about following him, but like I said, we're going to just kind of steal some of these principles. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. <laughs> Jesus had a sense of humor. They will say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. I love how real he is, right? We think Jesus is always on a cloud, and 
no, no. He, he, he understood, like, you need a strategy for your finances. I want to give you a quick strategy. And um, you may want to prioritize these things in your life. Don't skip one to get to the other. They're, they're this, in this priority. Number one, here's your strategy. Your spiritual strategy is to tithe. Start tithing faithfully. Don't argue with me on this. You'll lose it. Well, we don't have to tithe. Every time, you'll lose it. Because tithing predates the law. People say we don't have to tithe because we're under grace, and it's an excuse not to tithe. So tithing predates the law. It goes way back to Abel, way back to, way back to Abraham. Moses, baby Moses then came, and he didn't know anything about tithing until he was 80. So start tithing. Start tithing. That means to give God your, your best off the top every time you get paid, and you give to God through the local church. Because Jesus said, I'm building my church. So how do I give to God? I give to God through the local church. That's what you got to do first. The second thing is budget. This is a biblical principle. Budget. I want to encourage you. You got to know where every dollar is going. Um, We have our our ledger sheet. It goes um, every two weeks. We know where every dollar is going. And we know at the end, the plus or the minus. Budget. Number three, attack debt. Attack debt. Now, don't leave here today trying to attack it all at once. But, but, but you, you may want to snowball it. Start with the smallest one first, then build some, some momentum. Give yourself a timeline, but be encouraged by the progression over time. Don't get discouraged because you're trying to pay down this debt in six months. It may take a couple years. But be, be consistent with it. And then number four, start saving. Save. You can start saving before you pay off debt. If it's $25 every other week, that, that's, that's fine. You, you got to start somewhere. And if you do it for 26 weeks, say you get paid biweekly. If you do it 26 weeks, you got $650 untouched at the end of the year. You got to start something, though. You got to start something. And then the fourth way to grow what you've been given, here it is, self-control. Self-control. How many of y'all know? These things right here. Let me not give y'all my numbers, y'all be. I'll give y'all my code and my expiration. These things right here are the enemies of self-control because we go and we tap and we swipe and, you know, you get paid on Friday and it's only Monday morning. And you're asking, when, <laughs> when's the next paycheck? Because you just bloop, 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 bloop. Enemy of self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. A person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. There's no protection when, when we're just... There's no, there's no protection. You're, you're not ready for an emergency. You can't be generous on every occasion. You're definitely not tithing on Sunday because you spend all your Monday, Friday, Monday, Friday and Saturday. And, and, and you, you're just, it, it's, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. 
It's bad. So I want to encourage you, don't put your resource in a hole. Don't, don't spend beyond your means. Um, put some brakes on your appetite. Um, let me put it in. Say no now so you can say yes to some things you really want later. Yeah, yeah. Like, say no now. You don't need that car now. You, you don't need that, that outfit now. You don't need that trip now. Because you, you, got, you got vision. You got vision. You got vision. And, 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 and kind of reel it in when it comes to eating out, if that's your thing. Try to reel it in because eating out a lot is like flushing money down the toilet. Don't think too much into that. I mean what I mean. I'll move. All right. Let's go to Matthew 25, 19. Let's keep reading. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. So this is what this shows me. There is a time we can't see God, but there's a season and a time that God has established to come back and either get, get what he gave you or reward you for it. So there, there's a time, and, and he never reveals it. And it says this here, The servant to whom he had trusted five bags of silver, he came forward with five more. Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. Chris, go ahead and cut that air up a little bit. People are freezing. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now we'll give you many more responsibilities. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Here it is, another thought. I'm going to write this down. Time is a gift. T- time is a gift. That's why I don't want you to get discouraged about your situation right now. If if God has promised you 30, 40 more years, don't get caught up in in this struggle right now. Time is a gift. God has given you time. What he's done is he's he's given you some resource, and he's backed out. And he's he's trying to see what you're going to do with what you've been given. So I want to give you an equation. Here it is. Resource. Plus stewardship plus time equal reward. So, so the job he's given you, the paycheck he's given you, the car, the home, the relationships, the marriage, the children, the resource, the things he has given you, plus stewardship, plus improving them, plus growing them, plus being dedicated to bettering those things, plus time, he'll come back and there's going to be a reward, a reward. Proverbs thirteen eleven. Wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly. Someone say quickly, disappears. Wealth from hard work. Hashtag last week grows over time. One thing I love about our Savior is he got up and he went to work every day. Because his wealth was in souls. And if we could just deduce that from him, uh, uh, um, a stewardship mentality, a work ethic, 
and excellence, um, hard work, a standard. If we could deduce that from Jesus, a lot of what we want tomorrow will, will, will Anissa, you follow me, will steward well everything we have today, understanding that when we're Christians, we, we, um, we copy our work ethic from our Savior, not from the culture. Not, not from the easy way out, but from our Savior. He worked every single day. And, and as a result, to this day, we sit in this room worshiping his name, spreading his gospel. Come on, giving him praise. Come on. As a result of his work ethic, we're still here today. So, so, so even the way you are responsible and the way you steward, it, it's going to go into the next generation's in your lineage. Right now, we're, we're teaching our kids financial literacy. We, we're, we're teaching our kids about the tithe, and, and we're teaching our kids to not spend on everything you want, and, and we're teaching our kids how to, how to be generous and how to give to people in need, and, and we're teaching them how to save a little bit. All these principles come from our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me put it to you this way. Time is a gift. Uh, 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 what you do with what you have today will determine your quality of life tomorrow. What you do with what you have today will determine your quality of life tomorrow. Time is a gift. And it's the one thing you can't get back. So the third guy, he buried it and the Lord took what he gave him from him. And I'm sure he wished, can I get a second chance? God's like, no, time is something you can't get back. So don't get caught up in what you do or don't have the focus is, is, is how can I improve and grow and, and practice self-control with what I have so that when God is ready to bless me, because you never know when, when he's ready to bless me, he can trust me with more. So, so we got to understand that God operates in seasons and you can leverage time for increase. I, I, I've seen it with this. I've, I, I've uh, four years now. I, I've seen it with the church when it comes to giving and the offering and the tithe. There, there's this. There's this high season. Then, then you know, summer y'all go on vacation. So it's like okay. Then there's the back to school week, and it's like, whoop. and then you know, fall picks back up, and then November y'all eating and y'all buying gifts, and then the end of the year offering is like, it's like, man, I didn't know they had that much money. It just goes through the roof. But I have to know these things. Because i got to understand the abs and flows of the seasons. And God is the same way. Y'all know this. God is blessing. God will open a door. God, God is, and then it just seems like there are times where he's just like, God, where are you? you got to understand that he, he comes and he goes. And then this, the, the last thought here about, about financial advice is I want to encourage you to understand God's heart for you. Understand God's heart for you. Understand it. I, I, uh, I love my two boys, just love them more than anything. And there's nothing I, I wouldn't do for them, nothing I wouldn't do for them. And, and I get the idea that the, the first two servants understood their master's heart. So they were willing to be responsible and put in the work for what he had given them. They're willing to keep it clean and take care of it and keep it organized. They're willing to 
um, keep their bodies intact because God gave you this body too. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. They were willing to, to study and, and educate their mind and they were willing to do all that because they understood the heart of their master. Their, their master's heart was good. And, and really it's a poverty mentality when we don't steward what God has given us well because we operate in a posture of which we don't trust God or God won't bless us. And so we, we begin to give up. But, but stewarding what God has given you well is a sure sign that you trust the Lord. And, 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 and so they understand. I want you to understand God's heart for you. Begin to steward well. He can be trusted. And I want to give you a few verses about God's heart for you. Number one, here it is, John 3, 16, C-E-V. God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. God loved you so much that he, he wants to be in relationship with you. Not, not just today, not just tomorrow, not just the next day, but, but he wants to be with you for it. That's, that's his heart. He, he wants to be with you. He wants to guide you. He, he wants to protect you. He, he, wants to, he sent the son so that your sins could be washed away, so that, so that you could be made right with him, so that you could, you could draw close to him every single day, and not just today, but forever. Number two, God's heart for you. Understand this. Romans 8.32 says this. God did not keep back his own son, but he gave him for us. If God did this, won't he freely give us everything else? God will provide for you. God, God gave the thing and the person he loved the most for you. God will provide. This is why you steward. This is, this is a, a, a wealth mentality. This is why you steward well. Because you understand when times are tough, when times are hard, at the end of the day, if I don't have anything but Jesus, I have everything I need. But God is so good that he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just give you Jesus, but he's going to provide everything you want and everything you need as you trust him and as you steward well. And then I love this one, Jeremiah 29, 11, I will bless you with a future filled with hope, a future of success, and not of suffering. And his promise is to give you a successful future. That's his promise. That's his promise. That's why I encourage you so much. Don't slack in your affairs. Be excellent. Be the best. Steward well. He's going he's gonna to bless you. And I'm telling you, I, I, I know it for a fact. I know it. God has dropped this in my spirit. God is saying, I'm looking for people to bless. But they, their minds have to elevate above the culture. I'm looking for people That I want to give a successful future to. For eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has the mind conceived the things that God has planned for you. Come on, guys. Steward well. Amen. Don't, don't be frivolous. God gave it to you. He, he's going to bless you. He loves you. 
He's going to provide. He wants to bless you. Let's put our hands together for the word of God. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. We give you honor. We give you praise. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for wisdom. God, we will not worry about finances another day in our lives. We give that to you right now. But we will put you first. By your grace, we're going to steward well. And God, we're going to have the expectation of your blessing. If there's anyone in here who does not know Jesus as your Savior, I just want to let you know that God loves you so much. He gave his son, his sinless son, to die on a cross for you. So that all your sins would be forgiven. God did that because he wants to be in a relationship with you. Not just today, not just tomorrow. But even into eternity. He wants to be your father. He loves you so much. And today all of your sins can be forgiven. And you can receive salvation. If that be you, I pray that you open your heart right now to Christ. And that you would give him your life. So today as a church, we're going to pray with you. Maybe you know God, but you've been running from him. And today you can come back home. He's been waiting. Church, let's pray in support of those who are coming back to the Lord or for those who are coming to him for the first time. It's the most important part of our service. Let's pray. Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. Today I give you my life. I receive your forgiveness. I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate big. Come on. Love you guys.